What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to part two of Sam Dunk's mailbag series. I'm here joined with Aaron once more, and let's get into the questions. Next question is Seiko de Buya, <laughs> buy or sell? Uh, yeah, I think he's uh, both buy. Did you say sell? Buy or hold is the question. He's both a buy and a hold. Uh, cheaper prices right now. You know, he had a couple weeks there in the season where he was, you know, looking pretty good. Um, I think we all knew that that wasn't going to hold for very long. He was the youngest player in the league this past season. Uh, you know, he's a long-term project for the Pistons. I think he does have a ton of potential. It's, you know, kind of a risky type of investment. But, you know, long-term hold, next two to three years is, you know, when I think maybe we'll see some breakout for him. Maybe year four of his career we'll actually see something happen. So, yeah, if, if you find him cheap, buy. Um, otherwise, yeah, there's no point in selling him at all. So, you know, definitely hold, buy and hold, you know, whatever you want to do. Why do you think NBA Prism base or base rookies and then the base market in general, PSA graded, sell so much higher than other sports? Looking at it, if you compare it to hockey, the makeup of the demand and the buyers, there are so many more people buying basketball. There's so much less supply to go around because of the amount of people that are buying. There might be way more graded cards in basketball there are than hockey, but so many more people are buying them and trying to stash them. That kind of reduces that when you compare it side by side. In hockey, the market is so much cheaper that you can go and take 30 bucks and buy a super nice parallel, a really cheap, you know, nice rare option. You can't do that in basketball. So that's why inherently these base get brought up really high and the perception is really, you know, good on base in basketball versus in hockey where people can go and buy so many other options for the same price that they can base in basketball. They're not going to go and buy base in hockey. I think so much of the difference, too, is you just look at how the NBA has marketed itself and its players over the past, you know, half a dozen years, and you compare that to MLB and NFL. You know, I'm thinking about those three because those are the three sports that I follow really closely. And the NBA has just done such a better job of marketing the individual player. Majority of NBA fans are fans of individual players. Uh I'm a Bucks fan first and foremost, although I like, you know, I like a lot of individual players. Aaron's a Bucks fan, Nate's a Bucks fan. But, you know, a lot of people are just fans of individual players, and that's due to the NBA's marketing uh, ability. The MLB, they try to strip out the personality from every player and make them just you know, cogs in a machine. The NFL, you know, you know, part of the problem is they're all wearing helmets. You can't really see their faces. And there's so many guys on the roster. They just elevate the quarterbacks as the guy that you should pay attention to. And we see that in the car market. But in the NBA, every single player is an individual. They all have their personality put out, you know, for the world to see. They do a much better job of making sure that their games are available to the masses. And I think for that reason, we also see, uh, you know, so much more demand in the NBA market than anything else. Who is the better investment for basically the same price? Shea Gilgis, Alexander, or Trey Young? And keep in mind, we're talking the same price here. Let's think prison-based PSA 10, 300 each right here because of what I said earlier with the grading being difficult on Shea. <sighs> That's a tough question. Yeah, they're both good young players. I know that the perception on Trey Young is a lot higher than the perception on Shea. And a lot of people say that I, I talk too much about Shea Gilgis. I just really like him personally. You know, he, he checks a lot of the boxes that I look for in a player as, as why I like NBA players. I do like Trey Young too, and he does a lot of flashy things. You know, it's they almost feel like apples and oranges to me. Um, you know, I don't know how long the Hawks are actually going to be able to, you know, play well together. 
if you have Clint Capella there for the next few years and you have John Collins, you have to pay him. Now John Collins can't play the pick and roll because you need Clint Capella being the role man because that's the only thing he can do on offense. And John Collins is also marooned to the corner. You have Trey Young still doing his thing, but I just don't know how they start winning. Whereas the Thunder, they have all these pieces still coming, all these first round picks still coming down the line, and they're already a really good team. Six, I think they're sixth seed in the West at the moment. Uh, so, you know, I think at least as far as the team goes, Shea might be a, a more stable investment. But Trey Young also does all the things that people really look for. Shea Gill just he doesn't really do a whole ton of uh, you know highlight level stuff, but Trey Young, you can fill up a, a full ESPN highlight with his shots. Um, so I, I don't really know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I really like Shea. I think many people know that as well. I like Trey Young too. Um, like Sam was saying, they're both in two totally different positions and their play style. And then also think about the Thunder and that Shea is you know learning from Chris Paul, where Trey Young is really just trying to propel the Hawks into that you know next team in the East that could maybe jump into the playoffs. Um, I think that there's two different ways to look at investing in the two of them. I think. If we're sitting six months ago and people are saying, Trey or Shea for the same price, what are you doing? I think that anyone that said Shea, they'd call him an absolute idiot because you could buy Shea for like the 20th of the price maybe of, of Trey. So there was obviously a huge discrepancy six months ago. Today, much different discussion. And I just don't think that you can necessarily go wrong in either if you bought way early, selling now, taking profit, buying something else, maybe buying one of each, I don't think that there's any wrong way to do it, honestly. And I think that's a great way to look at the two of them because it's hard to compare two players you really like because you don't want to say, oh, I'll take this guy over that guy. And then everyone thinks, oh, you don't like, you know, Trey Young if we say that, you know, Shea's awesome. So that's a good way to look at it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, you know, as the current crop of like star point guards kind of ages out and moves on, we have younger star point guards taking their spots it's going to be trey young shea gilgis alexander john morant and you know some of these other you know maybe a couple guys from next year's draft class that are going to be taking their spots so i think you know yeah you can't go wrong with either of them will cards dip in the off season like normal or with all this new money will we see it keep on going up and last off season i thought we were going to see a dip in the marketplace like every off season before that I did not see any dip. And keep in mind, this was a year ago. This was a summer ago where it, the card market wasn't even close to what it is today. I only have to believe that what it is today will help propel it into the next season, especially keep in mind how short the off season is going into the next NBA season. How short is it, Sam? It, Very short? Yeah, it's short. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just thought maybe a couple months tops. And that momentum should easily, easily carry over to the next NBA season. Think of how long we've been deprived of basketball for not to sound you know like oh man we need basketball but basketball is fun to watch we, need basketball. <laughs> we do need it um since you know march march 10th that's been over three months now so clearly there can be a huge amount of momentum that pushes it into the next season and i don't envision cards dropping because of the off season it, it you know if something might help happen along the way it wouldn't be because of that in my opinion next question is kyle guy ascending in your opinion sam so Kyle Guy played for Virginia, really popular college player. He's in the G League now. Um, I have his stats pulled up here. 37 minutes per game, and he averaged uh, 21.5 points and shot 40% from three on, on 9.6 three-point attempts per game, which is insane. Uh, 3.4 rebounds, 4.8 assists, 1.1 steals. You know, all that stuff looks good. 
overall only shot 41% from the field. If you're shooting 41% from the field in the G League, you know, that's really just not going to cut it in the NBA. You're going to lose a little bit of efficiency taking that transition. But additionally, you know, you just look at the type of player that he is. You know, he's only he's not a point guard, he's a shooting guard. He's only six foot one. That's extremely undersized if you get into the NBA. We've seen this a lot from players before that that just don't fit the NBA mold, you know, the the body archetype. Uh, they can do it in the G League. You know, they're playing against pretty similar level players and you know having some of the shooting abilities like Kyle Guy does you can you can do it in the G League but once you get to the NBA and guys are just a little bit quicker and a little bit longer and when you're shooting they're in your face just just a little bit sooner than they would be otherwise being undersized being unable to really defend your position it just makes it all that much tougher it seems like every single year we have a dozen guys in the G League that that I get really excited about but then never really anything happens from them. And it's just because simply they're just, they just don't have the ability to, to become an NBA player. And I'm not saying Kyle Guy can't, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet that he's going to transition into the league or anything like that. Next question. Zion, Luka, Tatum are, are all seeing crazy price increases. Why are guys like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid not following suit? You got that one. <laughs> well, the reason Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid aren't following suit is because they're on like the most tumultuous team in the league and they hate each other and no one knows what's going to happen to the Sixers or to them uh I don't think we have I don't think we've ever seen a team that's like a top four team in its conference and you know really a a contender a championship contender that everyone on the team doesn't like each other and they don't like being there and they don't like playing together that's what the Sixers are uh, I like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid both as players, but there's just so much around them. You know, Joel Embiid, he, he's always talking about, um, I didn't want to go to the NBA bubble, but I'm doing it for the city. And it's like, how long can you say that stuff? And your teammates in the locker room is like, dude, just like shut up and show up. You know, why? It's if you're not showing up and you're not working out and you're doing all this stuff, you know, behind the scenes, and then out in public, you're saying, I do it for the city just to try and get people to applaud you. You know, it just doesn't build up into a good team chemistry. And, and we know Ben Simmons, you know, they're just, their personalities just don't seem to mesh. There's just a lot of talk behind the scenes that they don't really like each other, that they both want to be the alpha dog. And, and so it's tough. You know, I think they both just have those very visible flaws, you know, due to the media coverage of them and the team they're playing on. And, and the way things have gone in Philadelphia over the past couple of years that the automatic excitement level that Luca and Zion and, and Jason Tatum generate due to all of those things being good, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, it's just going to be a lot tougher for them. If one of them moves on, they get in other places and they actually get their own teams and they like their teammates, you know, I think they could all just keep going up. But as it stands at the moment, it's a little tough. I, I like them both, though. I think they both have good futures in the card market and in the NBA. Um, but, you know, at the moment, it's like, who knows what's going to happen to either of them. I got a really easy thing to add here to think about why those other three guys, Luca, Tatum, Zion, are going up in price and maybe Simmons, Embiid, other guys in the marketplace are not who people think that they should be. Think about the casual to maybe, you know, not as casual NBA fan. And they're sitting down to watch a game that night and they're like, 
wow, do, do I want to watch Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, or do I want to watch a guy like Tatum, Luka, or Zion? I think every time they're going to go watch Tatum, Luka, Zion, if they have no ties to Philadelphia 76ers. And I think that's just a really easy way to think about how people perceive their cards as well and how they can go up in the future. I think it just boils down to people want the other three guys more than they want Embiid and Simmons, too. Last question here for our two-part series of The Mailbox. Thank you so much for submitting these questions. We really enjoyed being able to answer them and talk you know, in person, too. That was great yeah, to have you here, Sam. Yeah. Uh, Sam, thoughts on Nick Claxton? Uh, I, you know, I think Nick Claxton's, I think it was his, his like first real NBA game where he actually played well was against the Bucks. So I was watching that game, and I was like, holy crap, who is this guy? And I knew who Nick Claxton was, but I... The name didn't really mean much to me as far as you know what he actually brought on the court, um, but once he was out there against the Bucks, he was blocking shots. He was super athletic, super quick. You know, he was he was running up and doing these putback dunks on these rebounds. You know, over the Bucks players who are extremely good rim defenders and, and they box out well. And so you know, there's just a ton of stuff to like about him. Um, so as a player, I really think he can outstrip his draft position quite a bit. Um, but he is on the Nets, and and I've talked about this on my Sam Dunks videos. Uh, you know, he's got KD, he's got Kyrie, he's got DeAndre Jordan. Um, they're all going to be taking the majority of of everything on the Nets for the next couple of years. We know that KD and Kyrie they pretty much dictate what's going to happen in that organization. We see what's going on right now, where basically every single Nets player is opting out of the bubble, and now we have the Nets just hodgepodging a bunch of players together from you know the tbt tournament uh so it's you know it's looking rough for the nets and i think they'll be a good team but i don't know that it's going to be very you know good for nick claxton to develop in for the next couple of seasons uh, i wish he was on another team maybe they trade him i don't know if they're i don't know if they would trade him or anything but i would like him better if he was on a different situation all right, thank you so much for tuning in to Sam Dunks. It's, it was awesome to sit here with Aaron and record uh, this episode with you. Uh, thanks for sending in all of the different mailbag questions. I think we answered you know, quite a few of them. If we didn't hit your question, you still want an answer, feel free to DM me at uh, SlabstockSam. I would love to answer your questions. I'll take the time to do that to the best of my abilities. If you haven't done so, subscribe here on YouTube. Also, navigate to slabstocks.com backslash slabstocks. Uh, scroll down the page, and then you'll see a subscribe button. Put in your email there, and that will get you pre-registered for our trading platform that's coming out sometime this summer, hopefully. Uh, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to, we think, revolutionize the market. It's going to have a ton of tools that are going to really help you with your portfolio and really help you visualize things a little bit better. And best of all, it's going to be absolutely free to you. So please be sure to do that. All right, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.